Hi everyone, I'm Paola Diana and this is Unleashed the Game Changers. Today our guest is Shelley von Strunkel, a famous astrologer since 30 years with the Evening Standard and the astrologer of the stars. Thank you, Shelley, for being here with us today. I'm the dual astrologer of the stars. I have to do with the stars and a few starry clients. I know you're very modest. You don't want to share your clients, but I know you have an A-list, very important one. Yeah. Yeah. Except sometimes when, I'm, sometimes when I see them, I have to pretend I don't know them. And, and you've been born in Hollywood as well. It does show God has a sense of humor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as you know, so if I wasn't going to be an actress, then I messed with the stars. Exactly. Yeah. But let me tell you a brief little story from when I started, even before I started working as an astrologer. But I had classes in Hollywood. Okay. And what I'm looking at here is, in fact, this is a chart, a horoscope. This is, when someone says a horoscope, this is what a real horoscope oh, William, is. William, uh, the Prince of Wales, yeah. my favorite yeah, of the royal guy. family. And as the funny thing is, when I w was doing what I'm talking about, he hadn't even been born yet. because I was very interested in astrology, although I was still working as I did in retail and fashion yeah. for some years. But I was studying it and teaching it. And I was teaching a class, and the class had a chart, not of this guy, but actually of his father, then the Prince Charles. And so what I would do, what I would do to teach them is the name, got to conclude, the name was not on the chart. So I said, okay, guess who this is? And someone looked down and said, that guy's going to be king of England. Unbelievable. Yeah. One of my students. Unbelievable. Yeah. And really so a good student. It's a fascinating uh -huh. how it, these pieces of paper with these weird-looking little things actually are a mirror of someone's nature. And one of my students got it. Incredible. Which also shows he's really meant to be king. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Totally. And, but this is also a quick way of explaining to you how this works. Because people hear about having their chart done and all of that. What this is, is a, a drawing done by a computer. Thank you very much. Of the planet's positions, in this case, on the day and at the hour that Prince William was born. Yes. And computers can do this. I used to have to do it by hand. <laughs> we love computers. So now we've covered two components of this, mm. really, what a chart is, which is the positions of the planets. But I view this as a mirror of the individual's nature. Yes. Because there's a tendency for people to say, well, I am that way because my chart says that. It's like, well, that's an excuse, maybe. Or maybe you chose to be born at a time that mirrors your energy. So the chart isn't making you that way. It's mirroring your energy. And what can you share us about Prince William from this chart? Well, actually, I'd never talk about clients. <laughs> He's not a client. But uh, I think if someone went to my website, they would find it interesting. But let me just talk about what a chart says. So if someone like wanted to order their chart from my website, each of the heavenly bodies uh, tells a story where people know about their sun signs. Heavenly so bodies. Heavenly, so as in, heaven. in the heavens. Yeah. So, so, okay. so the sun okay. signifies one thing. The moon signifies your emotional nature. Mercury, which is the little guy who darts around, signifies how you think. Venus. How you not, love. Not, the, not too hard to guess. <laughs> <laughs> Mars is energy. And you find the planet Mars very prominent in the chart of athletes. Jupiter is the planet of philosophy and expansion. And Saturn is work. 
And then, of course, since we started messing with astrology, three more planets have been discovered. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Uranus and um, Neptune and Pluto, most recently in 1930. And Pluto is a, considered a dark planet? Well, I mean, Pluto's been given a hard time. <laughs> I mean, yeah. It is the furthest out, and it's associated with the sign Scorpio. Dark planet, I don't know about, but I think it's nice to be nice to Pluto. It does represent things like um, the unconscious, um, certain groups that get into trouble. But every planet is about that. And so part of the thing with astrology is, on one hand, looking at nature and looking at how we're touched by the moon, how the sun warms us. Sometimes we get all wound up and we discover that Mercury is retrograde or appears to be moving backwards. So it's yeah. not just about your chart. It's about the planets being there. Now, one of the reasons I'm mentioning this is we've moved into an era that's quite analytical. And we've kind of forgotten our connection with nature. And observing the planets, like, OK, call me a wild and crazy woman, actually going outside. And it's hard to miss the moon. But you can see Venus in particular very clearly, and also Mercury. And yeah. Mars is very clear. It, is, it really is red. Yeah. And Jupiter is very bright. So how about actually not just looking at your chart or reading my column, which I suggest people do, but also recognizing that these planets are part of our nature. Yes, absolutely. And since the ancient times, yeah. uh, mankind has always looked at the planets, the stars, the sun, and the moon to decide where, when and where to crop and uh, plant well, this, the and seeds. this is the interesting thing because the charts we're talking about are actually relatively recent in history for two reasons. One, mm -hmm. actually, people didn't know when they were born. I mean, maybe a a royal person, a king or queen, but other people wouldn't. But they still paid attention to astrology. You know why? Because they had to know when to plant. They had to know in certain places, they had to know the seasons. They had to know when there would be rain. And so they paid a lot of attention to those heavenly bodies, not because it had anything to do with them, but it had to do with their relationship with nature. And still, in, particularly in areas in North Africa and India, there's a great reverence for the planetary cycles because, again, people didn't know when they were born. In fact, births weren't recorded habitually until maybe early Shakespeare days. There was a, 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 a playwright in Shakespeare's time called Webster, and in one of his plays, a character, the, the chart of a child was discovered as one of the plot points. So clearly around that time, it was normal, at least with moneyed people and royals. But before then, it like was not a thing. How interesting. So astrology was only for the royals, not for the average folk. No. Why would you want to know? Yeah, I didn't. And they I didn't, didn't keep I never track thought of, about that. Because we think of it as just being around all the time. And yeah. Lord knows, I mean, people read my column in the Evening Standard, my columns elsewhere. They read the stars on the website. And we all enjoy it. But in terms of human history, it's really quite new. Very interesting. And of course, uh, we're not talking about the daily horoscope, uh, only about that. We're talking about a, a vision for your personality, the future of this person. Well, this, person, is, part, this the is the other part of it. And one of the reasons I'm, I'm talking to you is so that your fans, your, lis your listeners, your viewers, can become aware of the many layers of information from astrology. Because yeah, it helps if you can look at your daily stars in the standard or on my website. In particular, certain days you wonder, well, what on earth is going on? You know, could, could I get a look in here? 
But there are other times when it's about planning ahead. And so people who come to me for a consultation will often come because they have a feeling they should be doing something differently or they want to kind of re reinvent themselves. Or maybe they haven't found love and they want to know what they need to know. Or they have a new urge and they want to discuss it with me. There's all sorts of reasons. And sometimes some clients have been coming for a long time. Very interesting. So it becomes a tool. Now, that's relatively new, and it really wasn't part of astrology until about 1900, 1930. There's an arc of use of it, but the other part of it, as I said, is that it's been used quite a lot in agriculture, and particularly in planting all over the world. But now, and this is something I kind of love and it fascinates me, it's especially used in both planting and harvesting grapes, especially in France and in California. So the wines we are drinking now are based on astrology. They're based on the, the lunar cycles in particular. There are certain civilizations like the Egyptians or the Indians that were really, really into astrology. Correct me if I'm wrong. Well, the, uh -huh. more, the, uh, more the Indians, less the Egyptians. They paid attention to it, but the nature of their philosophy wasn't so much about that. And I think it was because um, that kind of analysis wasn't their thing, but certainly the Indians. Many, I've been, I've been to India for quite a lot of times, and it's so much a part of their, their life and their thinking. But as Europe was populated, it grew there too, and there was a tremendous interest in it. But I think the interesting thing is, the greatest interest has been in the United Kingdom, in England. And it's been- I didn't know Yeah, that. very, a lot of interest. And although it's, there's interest in the States, there's not so much interest. And there's a little secret that, that explains it. And it's a fact that, and people aren't aware of this, that uh, whereas here, because we have an evening standard, which I'm, I'm published in here, yeah. but in the States, uh, they don't have national newspapers. Mm. Why? Because in the States, they were afraid one newspaper would take over, so they're only regional newspapers. So the regional newspapers have uh, entertainment sections that come with the cartoons, with the Sudoku, and with the stars. Well, you can imagine, they're not exactly very high class. Yeah. So where I grew up in the States, most of it, the uh, astrology is like not particularly cool, and it's presented as sort of an entertainment well with the comics. Mm. So they don't respect it? No. Except, there's one place, and this is a fun story, and it's for real. Except in Los Angeles, where I grew up, and in the Los Angeles Times, there was a wonderful astrology column written by a guy, are you ready, who was a former Yale lawyer who got into astrology and then came out to Hollywood and became an astrologer. And he became an astrologer to the people in Hollywood, including this guy who was at the time an actor and actually the president of the Screen Actors Guild, this guy called Ronald Reagan. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the fun part. And I mean, and he, he was a, the, the astrologer, was a wonderful writer, but he was Ronald Reagan's astrologer and many people in Hollywood. And then, most people don't know, Ronald Reagan then became governor of California for two terms before he became yeah. president. And this guy was his astrologer. How interesting. So, in, where in most of the states, astrology is not well respected because it's distributed with these regional newspapers, with yeah. these packages, with the cartoons. Yeah. So you can imagine it's like not terribly serious. What I grew up with, this guy was called Carol Reiter, ex-lawyer and yeah. astrologer I sort of studied under and who worked with Ronald Reagan. 
Yeah, well, in, in the past, uh, royals always had their own astrologer. Leaders like Bonaparte or other generals and politicians yeah, always had their own astrologer. Yeah, and they paid attention to it, too. And so, and so in the States, I grew up and it was fine. But what happened was when I started working as an astrologer, I saw private clients a lot. But then suddenly I was brought over to the United Kingdom because there really wasn't that much to do. And my predecessor at the Evening Standard, but also worldwide, Patrick Walker, was getting on in the years. And he thought like had enough stars of that kind. And so he was looking for someone to succeed him. And he'd been told about me, and I was given the job at the Standard. So it was my destiny. I truly believe that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, so, so it's literally, so I've never been published in the States. Yeah. It's extraordinary. So you had to come here to yeah. find more success. My, my, my destiny picked me up by the scruff of the neck. Yeah. <laughs> and so I took over the Evening Standard from Patrick Walker. And then a year later, I was in Vogue. And then I was published in um, the South China Morning Post in Hong Kong, the Gulf News in Dubai, where I still appear, in Australian newspapers, um, French Wonderful. Vogue, Chinese Vogue. Yeah. Well and, done, and never in the States. It's so interesting. So, but it, is, it also is an interesting tale about destiny in a way. Because yes, my chart, my personal chart, and we'll talk about charts in a second, my chart shows writing but living abroad. So this thing that we, we were talking about earlier, which is Prince William's chart, yeah. which Well, I'm very curious in this chart. What is this sign where he has a lot of planets? Well, as it happens, uh, Prince William is a um, cancer. Is a cancer like us? Mm -hmm. Yes. What a wonderful sign. Yes, <laughs> yes. as was his mother. And each of these oh, symbols are the symbols for the planets. And one is pretty easy to spot, which is this chappy, which is, what do you think that is? Mm. Red, pointy. I, I don't know, I'm sorry. Mars. Mars, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so for an astrologer, we look. And so what's interesting with Prince William is um, it's in the sign of Cancer, and it looks like a little crabby there. And the sun and the moon is in the sign of Cancer. So he is. He's a like very his mom. sensitive person. Yeah, very sensitive. Compassionate. And there's a so few now, things that I know. <laughs> now, let's, let's just talk about charts, then, just briefly. Because people say, I'm this sign, do I have a good chart? It's like, well, actually, babe, you have the chart your soul chose. Chart, to me, is a mirror of the individual's energy, the mirror of the choice. Because there's a tendency to say, well, I can't help it, my chart's that way. That's why. And it's like, well, OK, maybe in the old days. But now that we are expected to think about ourselves, not, not like think we're wonderful, but to review how we are and how we function. Can Your I ask Shelley one thing related to this? Uh, do you believe in God? Well, okay, give me a second. Let me finish yeah, this. Yeah, because, because I want to is, understand this how is, this, uh, you this know, is, choice of this whole connects. Okay, I think believing in God, God or not doesn't have to do with this. This has to do with mirroring your energy. Uh, well, of course. Hang on. Yeah. Discussing the guy in charge, or maybe the woman in charge, hey, exactly. who knows, um, is another matter. And the belief or not does doesn't shape this hmm. it's sort of like if you know someone lives in a particular neighborhood you kind of know what sort of person they are right so the chart is kind of describes the neighborhood and god didn't make you pick a certain neighborhood 
you're drawn to something. So in my point of view is that when we're looking at a chart, it was the soul's choice of this energy to work with. And then I, as an astrologer, if I have a private client, I as an astrologer look at what their chart reflects, notice that, for them, what their lessons are. Yeah, and, and here I'm thinking out loud now, um, also representing game changers, right? How can we change? So it's impossible to change, right? So you're no, saying no, no, that no, 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 it's no. fixed. Well, no. Okay. No. Explain uh, to. I it's explain impossible to, me. to. Okay, you're a Cancer as well, aren't yes. you? Yes. So am I, and so is he. I don't think we're going to change that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. But certain elements of your chart that you may not be happy about, we could discuss. If I were sitting with you as a client. We could discuss bits that you find difficult and discuss ways to use them. And this is what I do with private clients. And of course, growing older, uh, someone becomes wiser. That right. too, that, but this is also, also helps. For, for kids. I mean, sometimes someone will send their child who's going off to university, say, to me, have a look at their chart and mm. talk about what they might experience in a setting away from home. Yeah. So at every stage we have something to learn. Of course. And that to me is what a chart is about. And there are two versions of looking at it. One is, well, this is your destiny, no exchanges, no returns, you're stuck with it. That tends to be more the Asian approach. Mine is, this is what you're starting out with. <laughs> Let's work with that. Make the best out of it. Yeah, That's understand that. Mm. And if something's going to be a particular challenge, let's strategize how to make the best of it. Yeah. And of course, ancient philosophers uh, used to say, know yourself, right? That is the first thing a human being But also being remember, when we talk about the ancient philosophers, and when we talk about back in history, people had fewer choices. I mean, in socioeconomic terms, Lord knows in gender terms, women had fewer choices. Yeah. But now that we have more choices, really discussing what a chart is about can be useful and is a real tool. And so I'm kind of on the second generation with some clients, you know, who, well, I'm serious, there's some clients of mine. Oh, that's um, wonderful. They yeah, sent to you or their children. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. It's like, well, he's going to university, I think he has to go see you first. Yeah. It's lovely. It's lovely. And I know it's very important for some people, astrology, when it comes to finding the loved one, to marry someone, to get engaged. Does it happen to you and your clients? Well, Do they okay. come to you before? Uh, because the, the, we're back to the destiny thing. I think it's useful to talk to someone about what they think they should have, which may be their fantasy, not what would be a benefit to them. Mm. And so we have a frank chat about that fantasy. And then when they turn up with the chart of someone, not the person, just the birth date, I say, well, have, have you asked them about this? They were, no. So well, maybe have to talk about that before you go much further. And then they come back a month later going, oh, I see what I missed. Now, mm. that's not good or bad as much as helping them to become aware of what they're drawn to that may not be in their best interests. Yeah, so you facilitate a deeper understanding of the person and eventually God, the loved one. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but see, and this is one of the reasons I started doing it. And in fact, we'll start talking about it because it's such a wonderful tool. And in 
the old-fashioned astrology, when people had fewer choices in life, it really kind of was like, this is your chart, no exchanges, no returns, just kind of get on with it. But now that we live in a more psychologically aware period, it's a time during which that kind of wisdom can help an individual yeah. be happy. Not because they don't have to make an effort, but it can help. Of course, it yeah. definitely can help. I, I think you, you are like a coach. Uh, good for good some way of people. describing it. Yeah. yeah, I had a lovely experience recently. Some clients of mine got married, and um, they uh, were both Taurians, Taurian males. Mm -hmm. And I thought, just be cheeky and look and put their charts together because I had their charts. And I, I thought, gosh, that's a great match. So what I did as a wedding gift is I wrote a, um, a whole page about why it was such a great match. Mm. Well, they were so thrilled and so touched. That's lovely. They created a beautiful, because they're in PR, so they know how to do this. They created this beautiful page of what I'd written and passed it out to everybody. <laughs> it was wonderful. Yeah. And they were just, so, but it was so wonderful to look at the charts of two individuals and truly see a harmonious match. I understand that. But of course, you might also find couples that eventually are not going to be a good match, right? Are you going to tell them? I'll be give them no. some coaching. No, because it's not destiny. I'm going to give them some coaching. You mm -hmm. know, to say to them, you know, there will be a moment when you might want to strangle that person. Don't do that, but come to me. <laughs> not to you will go to prison. <laughs> come yeah, to me. absolutely. And let's work out good. what that is. Mm. Because you, the, the, the trick is to realize that some of it is so you can learn something about yourself or them or negotiate. And often one would say, well, if you aren't going to learn this with this one, you're just going to attract someone else with the same character and have to learn the same thing. So let's get on with it. And that's the free will part of this. Yeah. So in the old days, people didn't have that much choice. So charts were pretty much, you know, like buying in the sales, no exchanges, no returns, here's your future. But now, as we move into this era where we learn more about ourselves, it's we totally use different. it as a tool. Yeah. It's a wonderful tool. And that's one of the reasons, as I said, that I actually moved on from having private clients to being in the press, so I could have sessions like this. I mean, if I just saw private clients, if I weren't as well known as I am, I would be interesting, but not that interesting. But the fact mm. that I'm published worldwide and have been published in a number of languages makes it more interesting. And it also creates a conversation about using astrology differently. Because yeah. as I said, in the past it was basically, this is your destiny, no exchanges, no returns, next. Yeah, of course, and you want to help more people. Yeah. And this is what uh, you're doing right mm -hmm. now. Yeah. And how many years did you study it? the planets and the stars in order to be now really confident. Uh, I'm still studying. <laughs> uh, yeah, we never you do, you keep learning. Yeah, but, but again, I studied it because it was so interesting to me, but I was actually in fashion and retail. And that's what I did first. So I had a job at some place called Bullocks, which is kind of like Bloomingdale's, if you yeah. know that, or, or Selfridges. And um, I, I went quickly from being a sales assistant to actually being in their buyer's training program because I'm so shy and withdrawn, you know. <laughs> so, and I learned a lot from that. And so I worked in my 20s in fashion and retail. Now that was really useful because I watched two things happen. One is fashion, the arc of fashion, and how people thought. But also I had to deal with the public. Mm -hmm. And so I learned 
from dealing with the public there. So when I started working with private clients, I had already dealt with the public in different situations. And so until I started working with clients, I had absolutely no thought of becoming an astrologer. It was just interesting to me. But if we look at your chart, was it written? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe just a little, yeah. In fact, in my chart, at the very tippy top there, there is the planet Neptune, which is the planet of vision. So either I would be an actress, a drunk, or an astrologer. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> good. Yeah. Good, good. De definitely better than drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So it's, it's a wonderful tool, though. And uh, again, one of the reasons I went into media is I was aware that there were some people who were making it laughable. I know, I know. Some people really don't believe in astrology. So what could you tell them now to convince them well, yeah, that it's... I, I dislike using the term believe in it because it sounds like it's a religion. And mm. it isn't. It's a tool. It's like believing in a cookbook. Okay. You know? Yeah, you don't believe in a cookbook. Yeah. yeah. So really, it's a yeah. tool. Mm. And it, the minute you start with that, because when they're saying believe in, it's like they're, they're putting their point. common sense yeah. by the door. Yeah. Whereas... The thing to say is, well, I don't really know about it. I think part of it is also, in the past, astrology w was very much about a destiny, and, mm. and like in the Shakespearean plays where you find that. Uh, nowadays, the emphasis, certainly with astrologers like me, is to learn something. And yeah, there may be things you need to learn, things you need to deal with, but you can deal with them different ways. You can be, in fact, an astrologer can be kind of a coach. Yeah and encourage the individual to approach the situation, maybe in a way that's kind of a stretch for them. It's like, well, I don't feel like doing that. It's like, well, too bad, you know, you're facing it. <laughs> but sometimes it's good to be out of your comfort zone and uh, questioning yourself uh, if you're doing and well. That, and, and that's, today, mm -hmm. that's, I think, what many astrologers do. Certainly, it's what I do. You know, and I have had <laughs> several clients say, when I left, I hated you. <laughs> and then they it's come good. back. Six it's good for that. saying, what's even worse is you were right. <laughs> <laughs> That's worse. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But it's a tool in that way. But Shelley, can you tell me, because I, I really don't know, what's the difference between Western astrology, that I think is the one we're talking about, uh, uh, to Chinese astrology and Indian astrology? Well, Chinese and Indian astrology are completely different, and I'm no expert on Chinese astrology, so I'm mm. really not able to answer. Indian astrology is very different for two reasons. Um, one, they view the planets differently, and it's calculated differently, but it's still, for them, destiny. Mm. No exchanges, no returns, that's your chart, next. You know. I mean, it's, and, and when I've been in India, which I have a number of times, and had my chart done, they really would say, you know, this is what's going to happen, and, and it's from such a different context, but if you know India uh, well, which I do, the culture itself is very fixed, in its, in, and st people are still doing a lot of things in ways that are traditional. So the astrology there is quite different, but astrologers do actually. It's funny, as I talk about this, it's like thinking of a French recipe cookbook. You know, it's very specific about how it is. Well, Indian astrology is a bit like that too. It's very specific, whereas in the West, we astrologers like me, in any case, emphasize awareness and free will and using that of course you see so it's a very yeah, it's a reflection of western uh, society as well right sure yeah. sure sure and and to me the joy is 
to be true to oneself as is reflected in your chart, but also to make the best of it. But in the past, the, the church, or the Catholic Church, or the, the Christian Anglican Church, were opposing astrology? Well, yes and no. There are two different stories about this, because if you go to old churches, yeah. um, here but even on the continent, there is almost always a zodiac uh, in front of the altar or around that. And the, the thing is, the 12 signs of the 12 apostles, and in the church they were related to that. So it's only relatively recently that um, astrology, and I'm mixing metaphors here, but I'm being naughty and funny, it's not kosher. You know, mm. and so some um, some vicars, some priests have really gotten all upset about it. But there, there are churches in the UK, but particularly in France and Italy, where there's almost always either the symbols of the signs, or I mean, the actual uh, the um, the the ram and the Taurus bull and the, the Gemini twins in front of the altar. Very interesting. Yeah. So what's happened is a few people have forgotten about that element of history. Yeah, but we know that they incorporated some of the old traditions and some of the old uh, that were connected to, to uh, agriculture, by mm -hmm. the way. So, so like just uh, the Epiphany that. on the 6th of January and uh, yeah, the first of the year. So it's, it's all connected to nature at the end of the day, right? And just uh, rewritten yeah. in a different way. And what about the Roman Empire? Was uh, astrology uh, popular during the Roman Empire? You know something? I'm not sure. I don't really know. I don't think so. I don't know. Are we that. looking to that? Uh, yeah. I'm just curious. Yeah, because uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a historian in that sense. The stuff I know about mm -hmm. was particularly interesting because I noticed churches here in the UK as well as in France and Italy that had the symbols for the signs. I didn't know. Yeah, and thought, oh. So, but it's understood differently in different places, and it's a mirror of the culture. And if someone wants to start uh, studying astrology in a serious way, uh, where do you suggest them to start? There's a couple of quite good schools um, here in the United Kingdom, and it would be easiest for someone just to get in touch. But there's some excellent books to read, too. And one of the interesting things, though, about astrology these days is in the old days, and we're talking even 100 years ago, it was very much about, this is what your chart says. At the moment, increasingly, astrologers also have degrees as psychologists. And many of them talk about the psychological journey of an indi individual as reflected in their chart. Yeah. So it's not like, this is what the planets have done to you, babe, Stick, just live with it. It's like, this is a jumping off point for you. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense with our culture because we as individuals are increasingly encouraged to improve on our well-being, on our awareness. Yeah. So in that sense, we go from the astrology as destiny and the astrologer telling you your destiny to the astrologer maybe even as a coach. As a coach, as a tool to understand yourself mm. and the other people surrounding and you. And so when I see private clients, I, depending on where, when the client is at and what they're thinking of, I will have one or the other of those roles. Absolutely. Yeah, whereas before, so again, certainly 100, 150 years ago, 200 years ago, it really was, this is your destiny. No exchanges, no returns, next, you know. And I know the stones as well. 
they were related to certain signs, right? Uh, uh -huh. What about uh, the ruby? Yeah. <laughs> it's a gemstone uh, that is related to a, a birth sign? Absolutely. And the funny thing is, rubies are associated with the sign Cancer, which of course oh, is ruled I didn't by know. the moon. Yeah. Uh, and, and, okay, there's two things. It's got a bit muddled up, but the traditions are that the stones are related really to the planet that mm. is associated. So how, how is that? How can it be possible? Well, it's symbolic. That's all. So, so um, Aries is ruled by Mars. Mars is the red planet. The the stones are going to be red. Uh, Taurus is ruled by Venus, which is this beautiful kind of white pearly planet. And so the stones tend to be kind of milky and luminous. Uh, Gemini, the twins, is ruled by uh, Mercury, which swoops around and is kind of a, depending on its mood, red or orange. And so the stones tend to be different colors. Uh, cancer, of course, is ruled by the moon. So the main cancer stone is a pearl moonstone. But you also find Cancerians wearing rubies, because it's not necessarily one. But Leo is a lion, and so the, the earrings Gold, oh, yeah? <laughs> a bit of Leo. And the thing is, often people will wear stones that aren't their sign to boost that energy. So it also becomes what you might call stone cultivation. Well, yeah. something new to learn yeah. every day. Although I'm a Cancer as well, and I will be seen wearing not one, not two, but three long chains of pearls. Yeah, so, I know, I know. So I love pearls as well. They're yeah. beautiful. But, the, but with all of these, it's, on one hand, symbolism, wearing yeah. the stone, maybe that isn't your stone, but what you want more of, yeah, yeah, or expresses you. But then this is the difference from in the old days when this is how you were supposed to be. So what can you tell us about uh, the Aquarian age? Because this is something that I keep hearing, and I really don't understand what, what does it mean. <laughs> well, it means a couple of things. Because the Aquarian age is a real astronomical thing. People don't realize this, but, uh, the, these are the symbols. These are actually the constellations of the signs. Okay. And if you know how to find them in, in the sky at night, you can find them. And each of these signs, uh, it's a little hard to tell, but um, Aries kind of looks like an animal. And so each of these constellations symbolizes one of the signs. Okay. We, as a solar system, are moving through the galaxy. The sign that is rising on the first day of spring changes every 2,000 years. Okay. So. But that's a fact. That's a scientific the, fact. Astronomical that is an astro fact. Astronomical yeah. fact. And so, for the past 2,000 years, it has been the sign of Pisces. Okay, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. So we were in and, the Pisces and, era? And the one, we're ending the Piscean era, and the one before that was the Aries age, and the one before that, because they're backwards, was the Taurian age. Now the interesting thing about this, and I'll get back to Aquarian age in a second, is those ages, which were like 2,000 years long, if you look at the identity, so the Pisces, I mean, Christ is spoken of as being the fisher of men, Pisces. In the age before that, which was the Aries age, you had all these blokes running around with these horns on their, you know, yeah. Aries. In the age before that, and the warriors, you yeah, talking warriors. like the Vikings. In the uh, age before yeah. that, which we're talking 2000 BC to 4000 BC, many of the cultures had bulls, lamb, bulls, and cows. 
including the golden cow of the Jews, including in Egypt, mm -hmm. they had, I forget his, na his name, the bull's name in Egypt, but they worshiped. It was a god with yeah, a... Yeah. The that was a form of deity. Oh, yes. So now as we move into, mm. so it's, it's, it's not like some astrologer smoking something and making it up. Mm. If you go into history, you find that these symbols lasted for about 2,000 years. So we go now from the Piscean Age, and one of the most common phrases is Christ the fisher of men, mm. to the Aquarian Age. Well, what is that? Well, we're just beginning to see. And when it will turn the next year, right? Well, it's not like that. It, okay. <laughs> they are... Give them a week or two. They are 2,000 years long. Yeah. So, so, it, it, so But we are beginning it. It's a process. It. We are beginning mm. it. And what it is about, going from the Piscean Age, of this deity above us who is ideal, to all of us being responsible, to the joint responsibility, because the Aquarian Age is about a shared understanding and a shared reality. So the Aquarian Age, which we're just moving into, and again, reminding you, these are 2,000 years long, so it's not like, you know, it starts a week from Thursday. It's really something that we kind of move into. And in the Aquarian Age, two things occur. One is we go from the Piscean Age, which was very hierarchical, to the Aquarian Age where the pyramid mm. flattens. And so we're going from cultures where it's very hierarchical, people with money and all of that, to various versions of sharing responsibility, sharing thought, a flattening of the pyramid. And if it's about sharing, I think it's a very positive side. I'm worried it won't be chaos. As we move into this, uh, this new era, there are new ways of doing things. But for instance, one of the big examples is the difference in government, where uh, increasingly everyone on one hand has a right, but also must take responsibility. Now, that's not going to happen right away. In fact, it's not even going to happen in a decade or a lifetime. Well, let's but hope then these ages are 2,000 years long. Yeah, of course. Uh, let's hope eventually we'll have more democracies growing and coming of course. during the, the of next 2,000 years. Yes. That would be and good so, for humanity. So, so when you reincarnate, <laughs> you will come back to people sharing wisdom and responsibility, which was not the case in the Piscean Age because it was very hierarchical. Wisdom and responsibility. I think it makes great citizens, mm. definitely. So, but, so these eras, mm. 2,000 years long, and again, it's not some astrologer smoking something. This actually has to do with the, the constellation that is visible on the horizon on the first day of spring. And this has to do with our solar system moving through the galaxy relevant to these symbols. These constellations aren't exactly clearly delineated. The little lines are, but they aren't. So how do you tell when it moves into that? Well, exactly. Again, it I was going to ask that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> However, we are already noticing several differences. And one is the, the leveling mm -hmm. of people's entitlement. Mm -hmm. And another one, which is, this might kind of upset a few people, the whole gender thing is quickly diminishing. And through the Piscean Age, certainly, and through the Aryan Age, with the men going around with the horns and the helmets, mm -hmm. it was very clear. It may have been also in the one before that, the Taurian Age, but there's no guarantee that before that, the Gemini Age, they were, the genders were quite so defined, and it may well be. 
See, all of this stuff we're talking about is talking about taking astrology from what we initially started talking about, which is the individual chart, yeah. talking with our favorite Prince of Wales, and how his chart reflects the kind of person he is. I know, but I, I really would like to know something more about him from the chart. What can you tell us uh, about 2024, how it will be for Prince William? Well, his chart does reflect absolute, perfect, if I could put it this way, prince material, and in fact, king material. And it, there's some people who, you know, really, I mean, Queen Elizabeth, had an amazing chart for being a queen for so long. Oh, she and, was great. And, and, she was great. And uh, to, uh, to, as a Taurus, but also her chart, and it showed this incredible stability, which is what she offered to the country. Yeah, and we desperately need stability. And Prince William has a very different kind of quality because, of course, he will be a king in a different era than, than his grandmother was. Of course. And he has already shown us a combination of a different variety of male because, of course, he was in the army. But he also has shown a different variety of his masculinity. And I think we'll, we'll see someone who helps to move this country ahead into a new era, which I, and I don't mean big differences, but of course things will change. And I think he and his wife will be terrific at it. And she's great as well. What can you tell us about she's her a, chart? Well, she's, she's fascinating because she's a Capricorn, and they really like to organize things. However, when she was born, uh, the sign Cancer was rising, the sign of nurturing, but also Pluto, which is the planet of truth and transformation through truth, was exactly on the ascendant that is exactly rising when she was born, which shows an amazing kind of integrity and determination. And do you know how she has this amazing, she's a beautiful, tall, slim woman, but have you noticed she has a quite set jaw? It's like there's something she's about so her. She's so elegant. She's so royal. But that's not what I mean. There's something about her that says, I'll make the decisions here, thank you. And she has that quality. Yeah. And that's what I mean by the set jaw. And I think she's terrific. And they're a great couple. She is, no, well, I'm totally a fan, and uh, I, I wish them a wonderful 2024 and, <laughs> and much and more, yeah. Yeah, so, but for the country like this, but this is the other part of what I was talking about, moving from this hierarchy to flattening the pyramid as we move into the Aquarian age, and one of the things about both of them is, because she is not from a noble family that was entitled, she's, mm -hmm. her parents worked for a living. He was in the army. You know, he did that for a long time. Both of them did ordinary. And that's a great background for the next king and queen. Whereas Queen Elizabeth knew from the time her uncle abdicated that she would be queen, and she was like 12, Yeah, you see. So she kind of grew up with that, but she was also a Taurus, very traditional, and where we see um, William and Kate as, well, being Aquarian age royalty. Well, we will watch it. <laughs> yeah, and that's, that's really what they are. Yeah. So, so it's the, the point I'm making, though, is from my point of view, from my perspective, each of us shows up to be who we are and to learn more about ourselves, and the chart is a great tool for doing that. And hopefully to do good to society, right? To give back. Well, first of all, we're talking about the individual. Yeah. We're not, this is not a mission. This is to be the best person they can be first. Because 
doing good for other people isn't great if you're not being contented with yourself. You know the French phrase, to feel well in your skin? Yeah, it and makes sense. So I'm Absolutely. talking about that first. Yeah. So that then when someone has an opportunity to do something, they're doing it from a center that can be freely generous. So the first part of the journey is to be true to yourself, happy within your own skin. And then if you have that's partners and family, then that's, and then it extends to the world. Because part of the point of this is to help people understand how they can be true to themselves, yet reach a bit, yet perhaps do something differently. And in doing so, add to themselves, but add to the culture as well. So Shelley, how can astrology help people who are going through hard times? That's a good question. <laughs> And the question really is, first of all, it helps them define what they're struggling with, whatever it is. Because some people think they'll never be loved, some people think they look awful, some people feel they aren't properly educated, whatever their thing is. The tool in astrology is to help them first define what it is they need to learn about, and secondly, to learn to work with it. Yeah. And people don't often think of astrology as a tool. But as an astrologer seeing private clients, or sometimes with what I write for the publications, it becomes that. And I will occasionally slip in even something like the day in the evening standard. You know, have you thought you could do this about that? It's like, and have they, because sometimes I see them reading on the underground, I see them and it's like, oh, that hit home. <laughs> <laughs> so to me, astrology is a tool. Absolutely. Uh, and it's a tool for first understanding what your journey is and what you're meant to learn, and secondly, to understand about it. And maybe third is to go from saying, well, it's not my fault that I'm that way, and say, well, right, of course, it's like the person pulling the strings inside you, uh-huh. Uh, but my view would be that a soul, because I do think we have a soul, chooses this complex situation to learn from. Yeah. So it's not random torture. It's an opportunity. It's and an opportunity. And the minute you define it that way, then it, it changes yeah. the game. Y you have a different perspective. Absolutely. And you also see hardship in another... And the possibility yeah, of possibility. learning. It's yes. a very good point. Yeah, I mean, I, and this is it's personal, but it's not that personal. It's not a secret. My father was an alcoholic and he died of alcoholism. I learned a lot about it uh, because of that. I've saved two people's lives because of that. Well, Literally, I yeah. I was a I was a uh, a guest in a household where one of the two members was clearly about to have an alcoholic episode, and oh, I got his doctor's number. I called the doctor and I said um, that I had experience with alcoholism, and I hoped he would get him in treatment while he still could. Well, what happened was the, the, I didn't see the guy for a while, and then. I saw him 10 years later, he said, I found out who called my doctor, thank you. Well, <laughs> you know, you saved his life. I did, I did, and I've done that twice. Well done. Right, so I, it was sad my father had that as an issue, but what it taught me is to look at the condition as something that's treatable. Yeah. And in two cases, in people I knew, it was. Well done. So, tragic, well. I as a soul, I mean, my chart shows the father being an alcoholic. How can you see that? That's one of the things you can see in charts. 
That's fascinating. Mm. But it's really good what you're doing because I, I'm sure you're helping your clients uh, and of course the people who read about uh, uh, your charts. And well, this is one of the reasons, as I said, it's one of the reasons I went into the press mm. because there's not much, in, to say the least, not much in the press that's reflective. And the way I write about things is reflective. Yeah, but I know you also write about spirituality because you're also a spiritual teacher. Can yeah. I say but that? But I don't really write about spirituality. I speak mm. about it. I mean. Um, I, it's woven into what I write in uh, in newspapers, but I try and stay away from anything like that because I don't want to be pushing certain kinds of thinking on people. I just mm. might, might inspire them a little bit. Yeah, to reflect. Yeah, that's a good one. Inspire yeah. to reflect. This is what we do here as well. Yeah. <laughs> we inspire yeah. people to reflect yeah. and to eventually uh, have the courage to change their life yeah. or their industry and for the best, of course and do something good and give something back. But the core to me of this is two things. One is awareness, spiritual awareness, but awareness, self-awareness, and to become clear about one's, the game one is playing with oneself. And then, having done that, to work on moving from the game to being consciously aware, and that's really the key. And when I say consciously aware, I mean being aware of what makes you think, what makes you react what enables you to touch other people. And to me, that's the most important thing. Because as we move through life, if we can live well, inspire others, touch other people, then whatever you're doing, it's a good thing. Yeah. And you have a good life. Oh, Shelley, thank you so much. I hope uh, you inspired other people and I definitely so. they know where to find you, even in Standard, every day. Your even column. in Standard, yes, and they can get touch, in touch with me um, through my website. Thank you, Shelley, yeah. and I hope you will come back. Inshallah, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for being here with us today. I hope you were inspired by Shelley as much as I am. She is really one of a kind, and you know where to find her. Please stay tuned because we will have incredible guests uh, through all the year and share on all your social media and with your friends. Bye.